Stackville is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Major League Baseball ticket prices can tend to drop right before the game starts? This is true. GameTime tracks those prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then it will show you all the best last-minute deals, and those prices can be up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Now, I've got Game 1 of the World Series page open on my GameTime app right now. And what's really helpful is panoramic seat view photos from the section you're thinking about. So you get an idea of the angle you'll be watching the game from if you buy those seats. Uh, Right now, just for example, I'm looking at section 156 in Minute Maid Park in Houston. Beautiful view, but section 32, also cool. Now, obviously, I'll get in free. I'm not going to buy those tickets. I'll be covering these games, but you should head to that app if you are thinking about going because there are World Series tickets and good ones on the Game Time app right now. So head to the App Store or the Play Store and download Game Time, and you too can score awesome deals on last minute tickets. A wild one in Starkville. The party continues in Starkville. Your readings and welcome to Starkville. I'm Jason Stack. I write about baseball for the athletic. Been writing a lot about postseason baseball for the athletic. As always, joined by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer, Doug Glanville. And Doug, let's start with this, man. Where were you in the ninth inning? Saturday night after midnight in the East when DJ <laughs> LeMayhew hit that home run off Roberto Osuna and then Jose Altuve hit one of the legendary October homers ever off a Roldis Chapman. Oh, you know, I was pretty much just laying on my bed, actually. Nothing exciting. I wasn't in the stand, <laughs> wasn't at a sports <laughs> bar. Uh, but I, I barely had a chance to even digest LeMahieu before I looked up and Altuve was circling the bases. Uh, um, but I, I did have time to tweet out just three letters, W-O-W, wow. And yeah. Shane, Vic- Shane Victorino retweeted and put it in ca- all caps. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man, it was amazing. And I, I just marvel at Jose Altuve. I mean, he just, um, you, know. you, know, you know, what a player. And just the power he has to be able to hit the high ball, take on the best pitchers in the game. So it, it was a jaw-dropping moment, really incredible. Yeah, I said to my wife when he walked up, I said, Jose Altuve hits good pitching. doesn't matter how hard you throw it. So even though he had a slider, I felt good about that call. You know, I, I, I covered the NLCS, not the ALCS, so I was home. My wife and I were watching. Uh, we were literally screaming in the middle of the night after both those home runs. Because such an incredible swing of emotions uh, in moments like that. And I'm going to be honest, Doug. um, I I wished I was there. I love to write off games and moments like that in October. It's one of my very favorite things about my job. I hope I get one of those in the World Series or seven of those for that matter. Uh, But it also occurred to me that, you know, as a former player, 
you might look at what happened in that inning completely different than I would. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, how, how much do you miss being part of teams that win games like that? And how much do you not miss being on the losing end? Because I, you were on the Cubs team that lost the Bartman game, right? So you, you experienced something similar to what the Yankees felt. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a mix between euphoria of great memories and empathy, you know, for what it feels like to be on the other side. And uh, I certainly have been on both, and I didn't have a whole lot of great teams during the regular season in Major League Baseball. But I, you know, I had you know a nice University of Pennsylvania, a couple of championships there. I've had uh, winter ball. We we knocked off the dream team, and we you know won some championships there. And I just you know, that feeling never leaves you, even, you know, something I mentioned for, uh, happened 25 years ago. So uh, even just watching George Springer when he tried to rob the home run and just the wow. dejection, even though, you know, he's home, they're still in the driver's seat. It's just like you're you're so close and you realize how much it can be taken away so quickly. And, uh, you know, even when you're thinking everything's in your favor, obviously, let's go back to 2003 with the Cubs, you know, going home, Pryor and Wood. Game six and seven, you're feeling like, you know, everything's going to work in your favor. And then all of a sudden you look up and you're you're back at your apartment watching the World Series. So, uh, but, you know, that was an incredible example of the roller coaster of emotion, how quickly it can change. And uh, and no matter what you think, you could weigh all the odds and throw the analytics. And But a moment is a moment like that that transcends numbers. It just uh, becomes what baseball really, truly is about at its core. Yeah, so special. It's why, why we watch. That that is just that's why baseball, sports, the postseason, that road to the World Series. It's the greatest reality show ever invented because you can't make this stuff up. Amazing, <laughs> busy time of year for us. So let's get moving into the regular portion of our show. For those of you who are new to Starkville, now that you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and TuneIn and everywhere podcasts are sold, here's how we do this. Divide the podcast up into innings. Start every inning with a trivia question, and you can find the first four innings pretty much everywhere, uh, all your favorite podcast platforms. But we have bonus innings available on the Athletic app and at the Athletic website. Also includes the update on the stupid baseball bet, which is going to go into its third different incarnation this week. So if you'd like to keep listening and get a 40% discount on a subscription to The Athletic, just click on the link where you found us in the first place. Everybody got that? Awesome. Now let's play our game. Doug, here is your first inning question. We mentioned Jose Altuve and his incredible, magical ALCS home run. There have only been two players to hit postseason series-clinching walk-off homers after their team had blown the lead in the same inning. I looked this up last night after that game. Jose Altuve is one of them. Who's the other, my friend? Oh, well, you I, you must have tweeted this out, but I, I don't remember I what I read if I did. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't think I know this, but I'll I'll say someone like David Freeze or someone like that. He's he's very exciting. 
That's a great answer. He did not hit a walk-off to end a series. He just hit a walk-off to even a series in game six. So that's not correct. The answer is Bill Mazeroski, game seven, 1960. So second baseman against the Yankees. That's the only time it happens. Wow. Crazy. Uh, Doug, you know what the great podcasts do at times like this? They preview the World Series. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to preview the World Series. <laughs> now, does that make us too predictable? I don't care. We're, we're going to do it anyway. Uh, I'm going to be in Houston on Tuesday night, and I am so stoked about that. This feels to me like a World Series out of a time warp. We've got three Cy Youngs in these two rotations, maybe a fourth if Garrett Cole wins the American League Cy this year. It feels like something out of 1966, not 2019. And so the first thing I want to ask you, I, I know that the Rays and Yankees almost bullpen their way past the Yankees in this. Uh, I'm sorry. I know that the Rays and Yankees almost bullpen their way past the Astros in this postseason. But you know what the key word was in that sentence? Almost. <laughs> almost. I still think the best formula for winning is let's collect as many great starters, as many dominating starters as we can round up and let them do their thing. That's what I think. Do you feel like most teams still believe that's the way to win? Yeah, I, I do think most teams believe that. I think it's more difficult to achieve it, to be able to line up the resources, develop players in a certain way, and also guarantee good health to be able to assemble that throughout a whole season plus postseason or even make the moves to acquire someone like Zach Greinke. So I, so I think it's the reality of knowing how difficult it is to not only assemble it, but keep it together at the perfect time. So the alternative is to come up with uh, this scenario of, of bullpens and backups and supporting cast members in the event that you know someone's hurt or you just ha can find ways to have better matchups. And But yeah, there's no question that you know, when you have Cole, Verlander, Granke, who at their best are virtually unhittable, you know you have a shot to win literally every single day. And you could set up your bullpen uh, off of these long, deep starts that they can have, you know, in the most effective way. And we talked a lot, I think it was last week, you mentioned, well, when you have yeah. that much of a bridge to close out a game, just things go wrong. You have to, you know, and I felt like I was watching a game of Jenga last night, you know, like Saturday. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, what piece is out? Oh, this guy, you know, there's so many different parts to it. <laughs> and, and sometimes you just want to see a beautiful skyscraper being built. And and just sort of enjoy the magic that you know a guy like Justin Verlander can pull off over eight innings, and and I think there's still a lot of value in that and a lot of star power. It's great for the game when you have uh, you know Verlander versus Strasburg. You have these iconic names that represent pitching at its best. Uh, I still think yeah. that's a good thing for the game. Yeah, I, I want I want to ask you about that too. Just quick aside, um, I I think we're in agreement on this that. Most teams would still prefer to do what the Astros are doing and do what the Nationals are doing. The reason that you see openers, the reason that you see bullpen games is not because teams think that's a better way to succeed. It's that it's hard to find these guys. And in the past, what would teams do if they didn't have a decent third starter or a decent fourth starter or a decent fifth starter? They'd make somebody go out there and pitch till they couldn't look at it anymore. Now, 
you have a completely different mindset about that. Let's try something else. It's where the opener came from. And, you know, the, 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 the success the Rays have had with it, the success the Yankees have had with it, it shows you that it can work. But is it the best way to win? Those teams would not be doing that if they had better starters. And we'll, we'll see this winter if the Yankees go out and chase better starters that can get them deeper into games. I believe they will. Now, back to this World Series. Here's the other part of this that I love. You touched on it. Just from a pure entertainment standpoint, these starting pitchers give us a reason to not get distracted and start binge-washing Succession or Mr. Robot, and I'll come back to the game the eighth inning. <laughs> uh, Doug, you know I'm a big Hoops fan. I know you do. And uh, you know what makes the NBA Finals such appointment viewing? I think it's just, it's watching the stars with the basketball in their hands a hundred times a night. It's Steph against Kawhi. It's LeBron against KD. And that, that's magic. In our sport, we only have one equivalent to that, right? And that is Scherzer against Cole, like we'll get in game one of this World Series. Or Verlander against Strasburg, like we'll get in game two of this World Series. When those guys have the ball in their hands a hundred times a night. You know, as I mentioned, I understand the reason that teams use openers. I understand the reasons that we saw a bullpen game in game six of the ALCS in October. But from a pure entertainment standpoint, is there anything more compelling than what we're about to see in this World Series? And does the sport need something like this? I, I agree. I, I, no, I don't think so. I, I think you're, you know, you think about it as like top guns. You, you think of pitchers as these, these sort of uh, artillery. You know, they have this way about them that you can rely on to be all right. I'm going to ride this guy, you know, out, and this is the star. This is the top gun, and. Uh, and and, a, and it's not by accident. These are great pitchers that have had a tremendous amount of success, both currently and historically. So you're bringing in almost a timeline in it, and, and you're fascinated. I find it fascinating to watch. Okay, sure, is there someone who's had success over such long periods of time, throughout the openers, throughout all this? There's still someone you could hand the ball. So they're adding dominant stuff with savvy and experience and history. I, I you know that's a great collision point. And you're right. If you, you you bridge eight guys to close it out a game, and uh, you know that's one thing. And, and look, baseball. I appreciate that we have analytics and we push the envelope to maximize value, to uh, be efficient, all those things. And usually, that's ahead of the league stepping in and saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! This isn't necessarily good for the game." So we're going to have relievers go three innings or whatever, you know, three batters. Uh, so, but the game does give a lot of bandwidth to find out what wins for all different kinds of teams. And sometimes, you know, the A's, the Astros will follow suit and then get the resources to go with it and then build dynasties or build something bigger, uh, you know, dynasty in terms of success, maybe not world championship. So, uh, so that's, you know, baseball does that, but this is the moment right now. You're in the World Series and you can say Strasburg versus Cole or Verlander, uh, you know, this is, this is a great crop of pitchers that by themselves could could create magic. And you have to take stock of that as something really important for the game. I I, I think it is really important for the game. Um, can't wait. <laughs> I cannot wait. I guess we should do predictions. Um, I am going to take the Astros in seven, 
But if I'm saying it's going to be seven, I think it'll be a great World Series. Who you got, man? Yeah, I like Astros in six. Um, I, I, Nats, the Nats are going to give them some headaches. They have some, you know, they found a way to use their bullpen, which was a huge weakness into strength. Uh, and that's something incredible. I, I don't know if there's anything like it of watching a bullpen have that bad of a year. And now, you know, because they mix in these starters have found ways to be an asset. So, uh, and their lineup is, you know, tough. I mean, they know how to get on base. So the Astros are going to have their hands full. Uh, but I just think the Astros are so good in so many facets. They play defense. They run the bases. They don't strike out. There's just aspects that, you know, that subtle way they beat the Yankees, that's what they have that separates them from everyone else. Yeah, I agree. They, they just, I mean, the the Nationals can win this World Series. They can negate the things the Astros do just because their pitching is so good. But if you look at the Astros, this is one of the great teams of modern times. There's They do everything better than everybody else. Just about everything. Okay, pal, let's move along to the second inning question. Uh, we've talked about the Astros. We've talked about Altuve. Let's talk about the Yankees because they failed to reach the World Series in the entire decade of the tens or the teens or whatever we're calling it. It's the first time the Yankees have gone through a decade and not made it to the World Series since when? Wow. Uh, so, yeah, so a decade that they didn't make the World Series. Uh, wow. Um, okay, it's, well, it's not, it's not the 90s. It's not 2000s. They won the World Series. It's not the 80s because the Dodgers beat them in 81, I think. And it's 70s, clearly Reggie Jackson, Mr. October. 40s and 50s, <laughs> Jackie Robinson pulled his hair out. So I mean I'm gonna say 60s because I don't I can't even think far back enough to go 20s so I'll I'll say 60s. You know we we just had a trivia question where Bill Mazeroski was the answer in 1960. Then there was the oh. 61 Yankees, Mandel and Maris, like they made it a shot bunch her of around the, the world. They, yeah, <laughs> it's the it's the 1910s. So tens. Oh, years. Okay, it's the tens to the tens. Um, we're going to get to this. First off, Doug, I want to talk about the ALCS and specifically the baseball gods. Just need to check on this. Do you believe in the baseball gods? <laughs> of course. I'm a baseball player. No doubt. The, the karma, whatever you want to call it, Murphy's law, Murphy's poison. I'll make up some. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just... <laughs> comes around that's what you're taught right you know okay you got me today but i'm gonna remember i'm gonna hold this grudge even for 10 years and then i'm gonna i'm gonna get you in the best buy parking lot or whatever it is like that's <laughs> that's baseball yes wait absolutely. the baseball gods the baseball <laughs> gods are lurking in the best buy parking lot this is alarming. Know, wherever you wherever you can <laughs> a, achieve revenge it's it's it's, it's legit uh wow. so yes your your memory is important in baseball to remember patterns and practices and strategies uh, it's also why baseball players tend to have grudges that kind of last a long time. Uh, so yes, I think if you don't believe in it naturally happening, you want to create your own karma. <laughs> That's baseball. All right. Well, you, I'm thinking that Aaron Boone must believe in the baseball gods now. Uh, there have only been four walk-off home runs that ended 
any postseason series in either a game six or seven. Bill Mazeroski mentioned that one. Joe Carter, 93. Jose Altuve. And the other one, Aaron Boone. (laughs) Uh, So who was the manager on the other end of that Jose Altuve Homer Saturday? (laughs) Yes, sir. That was Aaron Boone himself. And, I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about Aaron Boone since that homer. Uh, you think that when you've experienced both ends of one of those moments, it makes the losing hurt even more because you know how good the winning felt? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's got a sting for, for Booney. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a long road. And obviously the legacy is father of the Phillies in 1980. Uh, who, by the way, was the first autograph I ever got in the mail. His dad, Bob cool. Boone, mailed, yeah, mailed it back. So, um, but yeah, it's 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 deep because you know what it's like on the other side. You've you've tasted success. Uh, I remember in '03, I had never had at least on the major league level postseason experience, and we kept celebrating every every like quits the division, won the walk, everything we could do. <laughs> we we celebrated one, and they were like, "Do we celebrate every round?" I'm like, "Yeah, of course you do," because you know you want to enjoy this moment, and every moment mattered. So, um, but when you when you get knocked out. Even though, like, oh, I made it to the NLCS, that sounds great. But when you get knocked out, the farther you go, the more pain. So, yeah, he's he's struggling with that, and he's got a great team. The Astros are just—they're a juggernaut, man. Like you said, they're they're to me like one of the best teams. If they win this, you're going to say they're one of the best teams of all time. They, you, you are, and I I will say that, and I'll tell you exactly why. But I'm 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 saving that up right now. But let again, let's talk about the Yankees because in New York, they think the Yankees are losers now, right? They think this season was a failure, was a disaster. Uh, those were the ground rules established by the great boss Steinbrenner. If we don't win the World Series, it's a disaster. All right, Doug. So we just mentioned this. They've gone through an entire decade now without winning a World Series for the first time since they bought Babe Ruth from the Red Sox. (laughs) And they've only won one World Series now since 2001. So what bums the Yankees are, don't you think? (laughs) All right, wait a second. Uh, Can we introduce a little factual alternative to that line of thinking? What team has won the most games in this decade? Oh, that's right. It's the Yankees. What team has won the most games in baseball since 2001? Oh, that's also the Yankees. So, Doug, I, I, I want you to rule on this for me and Oof. for all of us. I want you to rule on the Yankees of this decade and the Yankees of this century. Doug Glanville, are they winners or are they bums? No, they're winners. I'm going to say that. <laughs> and um, it's so hard, so hard to win a World Series. And uh, despite what they made it look like at different decades that we just went over, <laughs> uh, it's it's especially harder now with all the details and the value and the you know injuries or whatever it is. So you know, I look, I spent half my more than half my career chasing the Atlanta Braves in Philadelphia, and we yes, never caught did. them, and and they were unbelievable. I was like, how do you beat this? Now we look back, Hall of Fame rotation, and they only won in '95. You know, that was it, and. And, you know, people want to paint it as choking or too loud. But, you know, it's just it's just that hard. It is. It's just that hard. And, um, 
you you match up one day and all of a sudden something goes wrong and that's it. So, you know, look, look at the Nationals. Like they were one play away from being out of the wild card, you know, knocked out first, you know, before we even thought about the playoffs. So, yep. um, yeah, so, but the string of success has to be noted as a franchise and how much they, they've won. And yes, I, I get the value of winning the big one and all these things, but I, I you have to look at that as a successful run. Uh, in a New York state of mind, yes, you only win or you lose. I get it. I grew up outside of New York, <laughs> but to most mortal franchises, you know, this is a great run. All right. Well, you you you're not going to become an honorary Steinbrenner. Just letting you know. No, I won't. I know that's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, let's move on re- to our. They cut- and they released me, remember, in 05, so at <laughs> spring training. <laughs> so that was that was my Yankee career. <laughs> It was indeed. I saw you in the pinstripes, though. I know it. I know you wore them. Saw it with my own eyes. All right, Doug, here's your third inning question. Let's talk about the Nationals. I want you to tell me which player owns the Nationals franchise record for most postseason home runs. This does not count the Expos years. This is just since they moved to Washington in 2005. Uh, I'm going to give you a hint. He's an active player. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I think I can get this. Uh, well, I'm going to say Bryce Harper, who was no longer there, but he, it seemed like he had some legendary postseason games. So I'm going to go Bryce. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Five of them for Bryce Harper, uh, Ryan Zimmerman, four, Michael A. Taylor, uh, he has four, Anthony Rendon, he has three, but Bryce hit five. I went back and looked at Bryce's postseason with Washington outside of the first one when he was 19 years old. He was really good in those series, and yet people think he now is like this whole narrative. He's the reason they didn't win. So let's talk about it. Because, Doug, I'm not sure if you heard this, but the Nationals are in the World Series and Bryce Harper isn't. <laughs> yeah. What a thing. So a question that I heard all last week in Washington was, boy, I wonder what Bryce is thinking right now. So you know what I did, Doug? I asked Bryce. <laughs> yeah. And I had quite a conversation with him. Uh, he said, I think this was his signature quote, Jealousy isn't good. He told me he is not saying to himself, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm not a national. Because uh, he knows there's no point in beating himself up over the decision he made to go into free agency, the decision he made to take the most money, the decision he made to leave and go to Philadelphia. So he's not going to beat himself up over that. I don't blame him. Uh, he said he's happy for his friends in that team. He wishes them all the best. He's got no hard feelings, yada, yada, yada. Um, it was actually a great conversation. It was very classy. But now here is what I want to ask you, Doug. You played baseball. You actually watched some of those guys that you played with in Philly win a World Series without you. So do you think that deep in his heart that the stuff that Bryce Harper told me is what he really believes, or is he not telling us everything that he's thinking right now? <laughs> I, I, he's leaving some things out, and that and that's okay because he's got a current franchise. You know, it's not like I'm retired. I'm, you know, it's a different story. But he still has a team that he believes in, 
And by the way, he has what thirteen years left on this deal. I mean, he's you know he's got 12. a lot of opportunity twelve, <laughs> a lot of opportunities <laughs> to uh, to possibly to win. So uh, because of that. his talent, yeah. And I, I so I, I think, and a lot of that is very rational. And and but the emotional side, look, jealousy is part of baseball. It is. It is part of baseball. You you know you come up with guys. Guys get opportunities before you, after you. I remember coming up in the minor leagues back then, Baseball America was that you know one place where you saw all the stats and it might have been 2 weeks old but you were like what's the guy in front of me doing you know I'm trying to get to double A what's Phil Dolphin doing I don't know if you know remember that name um yeah you know so so that was a big big thing and it was some you know it it was couched in something competitive and and spirited but it was also a little bit like you know I want to get there and baseball is set up that way you have the staircase to greatness staircase to the big leagues so it's natural to look ahead. So, so I I don't think that leaves you in the big leagues, and I think there is an aspect um, that you feel you know something. I look, I the Cubs won, and you know I wouldn't say jealousy, but I felt like a, a, there was a longing of something missing, even though I was very far removed from from being a current player when they won in in 2016. So uh, yes, yeah, so I was thrilled for guys that had been in the organization, people who had built that for sure. But there is also like I wish I was there, and that's totally fair. I mean, Jimmy Rollins, 2008, all those guys, you know, was my time just a little bit early or, you know, just didn't have the right chemistry, matchup, money, whatever it is. So, um, so I think he's leaving that part out and it's, it's very human to feel that. Um, and I'm sure he'll get his chance one of these next 12 years, but it's <laughs> tough because you just don't know is, is, you know, if you're not a superstar like Harper, you don't know if you'll ever get back there. You don't know if you'll, um, you know, ever be good enough, you know, when you're 35 and all those things. So that's that's all the more reason why you, you look at it with such a fine lens and and how tough it is sometimes to watch even your greatest friends, uh, you know, raise, raise the trophy, you know. So you think even though he knows in his brain that jealousy isn't good, that he's jealous? Huh. Just, just get clearing that up. Yeah, yeah. Really, I mean, yes. yes, yes. I think he has. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not saying it's consuming him. I think he just feels a little of that twang. I mean, it's, and I don't think that makes you know is any sign of anything of weakness. Of, I, I, I feel like it's very much about the way baseball is. It's, it's set up the way you compete. I mean, I, I, you know, I remember writing in my book like you're not just competing against the guys in the other dugout when you're coming up into this game. You're competing with guys in your own dugout. And it's not necessarily like, you always hear a friendly competition between Cole and Verlander and all these things, right? But it is, it's a it's a real thing. And it's really real when you're trying to make a team and you're the 25th man on the roster and you know, there's a center fielder in front of you. You know, that's just like, you can't call it anything else but competition, it is. Uh, and then yes, you may be fortunate to be a starter and then you have something magical in like an 03 and you, you put your selfishness and your jealousy aside or whatever it is, that's true. And it and the great teams know how to do that better than others. But I do think it's very natural as an emotion and very familiar, familiar in baseball. Uh, it's just how you frame it and how you channel it that, that can separate uh, sometimes teams that are good to great. Right. Now, one more question that grew out of the piece I wrote about Bryce Harper was, you know, I think the Nationals are better this year than they were the last few years when Bryce was there. But are they better because he's not there? Because I hear this in Washington. Or are they just better? Uh, the truth is, because they didn't spend $30 million a year on him, 
They had a lot of payroll space to go sign Patrick Corbin and Annabelle Sanchez this winter, then to add relief pitching in July. And that's why they're better. I personally don't think they're better because he was sucking all the oxygen out of the room every second he was there. But that's what a lot of fans believe. I'm curious what you believe. Well, you know, I don't, they don't have to be mutually exclusive necessarily. Like they can, you can get better as a team. And this isn't just a Bryce Harper thing. You can get better as a team by, you know, losing a superstar. I mean, uh, you know, can I wear my Downton Abbey hat right now? I mean, what's the name? Matthew Crowley, the main <laughs> character, right? So Matthew Crowley, when they wrote him off the show, and I have spoiler alert, when he crashes his car and they killed him off and he was the most popular character. It looked like a tragedy, but actually what it did is all the other cast members started filling in and finding roles and their voice in the significance of Downton Abbey. Like that was important. And that's actually a very true <laughs> analogy or a comparison to think about baseball and sports. Like other guys said, oh, you know, you, you get, you, you do, look, I played it with A-Rod. You can get into spectator mode when you play with these great players. You're like, wow, look at this guy. And you kind of forget what you're supposed to do. Um, uh, that that's just part of it. And so Harper, had, he wasn't sucking the oxygen out of the room, but there's a magnetism to him and an expectation that comes with it, even though a team is way more than just Bryce Harper or one star. And many of these players may have found something, not because he was a negative, but because of what they had to find in themselves to, to play well and, and to fit into a new regime, a new understanding of what their team was. Uh, so yeah, they were 19 and 31. Remember, we were like, oh my gosh, life after Harper is a disaster. And then they went 74 and 38, <laughs> right? So, um, so, so they are a better team. They are a better team. And, uh, I just think it's once again, not necessarily Harper. There's sometimes stars that are not, uh, that are kind of on an Island that Harper kind of was on. You know, it doesn't, it, it can take away from certain things that you may find once he's gone, uh, that that's part of the reason you figured out something different about what makes your team go. You know, that's really well point. It's really well put. I was struggling with ways to verbalize that in the piece I wrote. I don't know if I ever actually truly did, but I, I think you're exactly right. Bryce was a topic. He was always a topic. He was the most famous guy in the room the first day he ever walked into the room. And they were just always drama around him, not necessarily because he caused it, because of because Scott Boris created it, because his family helped create it, because there was this whole narrative that surrounded him and he 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 walked in as the natural. And then as he as his career went on, then it became, can they keep him? How much are they gonna have to pay him? Would anybody pay him that? Like it just it that that storyline never ended. That that's over now. For that team, it's actually over for him. And he's moved on. They've moved on. That's just the way life works. And you articulated that beautifully. Okay, now we have reached that point in the podcast you've been waiting for. Time yeah. for this week's listener question. We love this. It allows you, our favorite listeners, to be part of this podcast. We're going to tell you how you can do that in a minute. The idea is you submit a question, a trivia question, that Cam, the newly elected evil mayor of Starkville, decides will stump me and stump Doug and provide a fun topic for us to kick around. 
And so once again this week, we have a tremendous question from one of our listeners. It comes from uh, another great statistical mind. I think we attract those people, Doug. A guy named Madison McIntyre. He's a great follow on Twitter. And if you want to follow him, his Twitter handle is really good. It's Madman Mac. M-A-D-M-A-N-M-A-C-21. <laughs> he asks a fantastic question that's actually kind of similar to the one we got wrong last week. He asked, Doug, who was the only player to appear in 50 World Series games without ever playing for the Yankees? Oh, my and goodness. I have no idea. Now, at first I was going to say David Ortiz, but... David Ortiz played in 50 postseason games, not 50 World Series games. To play in 50 World Series games, you'd have to play in at least eight World Series. So this has to be somebody like Stan Musial or maybe somebody from those great Dodger teams that lost to the Yankees in the World Series every year in the 50s. I really don't know, so I'm just going to go Musial. Do you have a guess? Yeah, literally that was the first thought I had. You know, Cardinals won – the second most World Championship, so I thought that was pretty good that they were in the World Series a lot. So, um, but I'll 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 pick a Dodger just because that seems. I mean, I don't know Jackie Robinson. He seemed like he was in there a lot, so I'll just throw Jackie Robinson in there. All right, let's bring in Mayor Cam. Yes, get, uh, did, 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 by any miracle we get this right. No, there, there's no miracle. You guys did not hit the Jose <laughs> Altuve walk-off. That, that's not the case. As the arbiter for this, I want to give you guys a chance. So I want to give you just a little tidbit here, just a little factoid, and hopefully that will guide you in the right direction. Real quick, Doug, okay. you were nearly on the right track. You were you were edging towards the Cardinal stuff, and that's the place you should be at. This gentleman was a switch-hitting second baseman for the Giants and the Cardinals. That's where his playing career lied, and it's in the mid-20s when he made his debut. Oh, who's switching? What, we're supposed to guess now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cardinals. I'll give you you one last bit. Frankie Frisch? Yes, that is it. Whoa! All right. That's correct. The old Flash, Frankie Frisch. Was he the Fordham Flash? Yes, Fordham a... Flash. Yes, Fordham the Flash. Fordham Flash. The old Flash Jeez. and the Fordham Flash were his were his two <laughs> monikers. All right. Well, that's yeah. the first Frankie Frisch reference on this podcast. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And once again, man, we got this thing wrong. So nice going there, Madison McIntyre. Stumped the band again. Uh, but you know, one of the things that happens is we're supposed to take this question and turn it into a topic. So I, I here's what I did, Doug. I looked up the active leaders in most games played without appearing in a World Series. Uh, I'll give you the top five. What I'm going to ask Mm -hmm. you to do is tell me which of these five guys will get to a a World Series first, assuming that any of them ever do. Uh, Nick Markakis, 2,117 games, no World Series. Edwin Encarnacion is at 1916. Adam Jones, 1823, and then Ryan Braun and Joey Votto are really close together uh, in the 1700s. So Marquecas, Encarnacion, Adam Jones, Braun, and Votto. You want me to take one or you want to go first? Oof. Wow. I'll, I'll say, how old are these people? Um, <laughs> well, wow. they played thousand, you know, almost 2,000 games, and Marquecas has played more than 2,000. So, Yeah. Adam Jones, it's it's a good guess. He might creep onto a team or something. All right, I'll I'll say Ryan Braun. 
The Brewers, yeah, you know, I, I Craig, mean, Craig Council's, you know, he's got a good mind. He might, he might slide into the World Series, and they, yeah, they get to the postseason quite a bit. And he's, he's still yeah. in a contract, so that's a good guess. I, I think I'm going to go Nick Markakis because I think the Braves of all those teams are closest to being a World Series team. Now, uh, I'm not 100 percent sure he'll be back in Atlanta, but I think he will. Braves hold a team option, and um, he's been a good player for them. So. I'll, You'll go Ryan Braun. I'll go Nick Markakis. I'm sure we're wrong about that, too. <laughs> now, next week, this question could come from you. Uh, what you have to do, if you'd like to horn into this podcast, is you submit a trivia question either via Twitter or, vi- or via email. Uh, then the mayor will pick one. We'll get it wrong. We'll do it again the next week. That's how it works. Uh, if you don't want to submit via Twitter, our email address is Starkville with an E at theathletic.com, or you can send in those questions on Twitter. I am at Jason with a Y-S-T, J-A-Y-S-O-N-S-T. Doug, how can they reach you? Oh, I'm at Doug Glanville, D-O-U-G-G-L-A-N-V-I-L-L-E on Twitter. No problem. Right, and just right, just hashtag those questions. Hashtag Starkville QS, Starkville with an E-Q-S, That's going to do it for Starkville for some of you. But if you're an Athletic subscriber, you can keep listening over at the Athletic app or the Athletic website. Uh, And you can become an Athletic subscriber uh, by going to the link that you found us at. Uh, That could be at Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, wherever you found us. And that link will get you 40% off a one-year subscription to the incredible content at The Athletic. So for those of you who are leaving us, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Starkville.